Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford. Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. I am your host, Andy Ford, uh, coming to you today from beautiful St. Louis, Missouri, uh, at the headquarters of Brado Creative Insight. Uh, just a reminder that uh, as you're listening to the show live, or, or if you catch it later uh, and download it, feel free to drop us a line. You can always reach me at Andy.Ford at brado.net. Be glad to take your questions uh, for our guests there or on Twitter at AFord. Uh, we receive uh, lots of comments uh, via email, uh, some comments live during the show, and then after the show, get a lot of response via Twitter. You can also follow Brado Creative Insight or talk to us there at Brado Insight. Uh, my guest today uh, is a really innovative individual who I've had the pleasure to working with uh, over the years, Brody Dunn is currently the Director of Strategic Insights uh, at PepsiCo with Frito-Lay. He's been in that role uh, for about five years. Uh, but p- prior to that, I mean, Brody has worked uh, for companies like NeuroFocus, which is now owned by Nielsen. Uh, he spent the better part of probably 15 to 18 years uh, in various functions uh, at Pizza Hut. Uh, and so I've had the distinction of seeing Brody uh, take on roles that related to insight, that related to uh, innovation, uh, culinary, um, strategy, uh, ideation, even almost like a chef in some cases. Uh, You can honestly say that Brody is one of the more innovative business individuals who's had a chance to expand on his career and maximize it uh, to the the fullest. I'm honored to have you here with us today. Brody, thank you for joining us on the program. Well, thank you, Andy. I'm super excited to be here. We go back such a long ways, and this is going to be a lot of fun. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. The question that's burning, and I've got tons of questions that I can ask you, but the thing I've always wanted to ask you and and never have gotten, uh, I think, around to it, unfortunately. And one of the unique things about Brody, and I've had a chance to dine with him uh, on a personal level, on business level, uh, you know, out looking at food uh, trends and what we're trying to do. And if you're sitting in a restaurant and a server walks up to you, what do you say to that server? Well, I think the first thing I do is, how's your day <laughs> to the server? <laughs> but the second thing I do is when it's time to order that's a little unique is I don't order my own menu items at restaurants. I do not believe that I will make the right choice. And I know if that's, that server is paid to take care of me, that server is paid to... Um, to help ensure I have an amazing time, and they know the menu. They know everything that that kitchen makes. They know what they make good and what they don't make good. I don't have food allergies. I'm not afraid of any food out there on the planet today. Um, so if um, they recommend it and if they love it and if I know and they know they make it right, then I'm all in. I want it because the only thing I don't like is bad food. <laughs> and they ensure a- that I don't get bad food. And I've had many arguments and discussions, um, fun banter and repartee with my dining guests. 
yeah. who uh, who are horrified that I order that way, <laughs> and uh, and at the end of the day, they're all very intrigued with what I get, and after I share my meal, they all agree, at least 90% of the time, they agree that I got the best meal at the table, and it happens every time, and it's happened for 30 years. So it, 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 um, I've seen it. I happen. think that's what you I, want me to talk about. Absolutely, it, it blows it. me away when I think about that. And, and first of all, I have sat there, and I remember the first time it happened. I thought, "Well, that's crazy. What if you don't like something? What if I, you know, I keep thinking about like, you know, uh, me. I mean, if something has, um, and I'm just going to throw an arbitrary ingredient out there, mayonnaise. If there's mayonnaise on it, I'm like that. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want mayonnaise. You absolutely are putting your faith in." in a server, someone who's in the food service industry. And the first time I've, I witnessed it, and I've seen other people go through the same thing, they thought, that's you're taking too many chances. That's crazy. But I love your rationale is that this is their job. This is what they do for a living. They're going to ensure that if anybody has a great meal, it's going to be you. It's like reverse psychology almost. Yeah, and it's, it's fun because you also learn the personality of the server very immediately. I mean, yeah. immediately I understand, is he a risk taker or is he or she a risk taker? Are they fun? Are they going to be on this journey and they're going to have a great time with it? Um, are they all of a sudden they get apprehensive? And if they get apprehensive, I have to do some coaching with them. <laughs> but I'm fine with doing that. I, I love doing that. And eventually I'll, I'll get them to a good place and they'll have fun with it. And then um, and then we all have a good time and it becomes great for everybody. So that's it's so great. And so I've always wanted to get that now that I've got it actually uh, out there and broadcasted. I hope more people try it. I, I've done it a couple of times. I'm not as brave as you are. I, I'm like you. I don't have any food allergies. Uh, but to me, it's just, I don't know, if nothing else, it is a wildly entertaining way to get to know someone who you know works in the food profession. Um, it, you've had a really storied career, uh, and I've had a chance to stand back from it over the course of several years and see the different roles and the different way uh, that you've brought innovation into the companies that you've worked for and partners, uh, et cetera. But if I had to stand back from this and say on a personal level, what's your definition of innovation in, in, in a shorthand, what would that be? Well, I, first off, I will tell you, I would never want to try to define the word innovation. Mm. I, think, I think innovation is where what companies have to do to survive. And it's been that way for a long time. Um, it's just been accelerated over the last 10 to 15 years, more so than it has been in the past, that consumers um, look for companies to innovate and stay relevant and stay current. Um, and, you know, innovation is the way to do that. So it could be as simple as uh, innovation could be led by a strategy. Innovation could be led by an unlock with a technology, or it could be led by uh, a cool promotion, you know, or even a way to talk to consumers now. I mean, you know, things that um, brands are doing nowadays that are literally only what you would think of maybe promotion-wise would mm. be considered, you know, innovation. So it's really tough to, to pigeonhole that. I would say mm. all of us are innovators, and if we're not innovators, we can't stay in our roles and our jobs, and we can't drive drive our businesses to success. That's interesting, you know, buddy, when you start thinking about those different types of innovation and and I love the 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 three that you mentioned there right off the top, strategy or, you know, lockstep with the change in technology or promotion. I mean, across the board, it's sounds like it's utilizing that relevancy 
to stay on top or in the front of the consumer's consideration set? Is that part of it is, you know, being not just ahead, but remaining relevant and meaningful for whoever is buying our products? Absolutely. Absolutely. And to me, it's even a little more than that. I mean, it's nowadays the way nowadays, there you go. I'm so Mm. old. I I think (laughs) in the current world, Mm -hmm. the way to think about it is that you're a partner with consumers and Mm. you know, you're, they're part of the, they're part of the conversation. The idea that we own, you know, or that I have purview or this, or my business has purview over brands. Brands are as much owned by the consumer consciousness and what they want to talk about. There's a lot of conversation that happens around brands in the social space that the brand has nothing to do with, but absolutely shapes the opinion of the masses on what the brand is. Mm. And so I think it's really critical that we understand that and that businesses have to change their mindset and um, to be more on the journey with consumers um, than trying to lead consumers. You've had a chance, uh, speaking of that journey, uh, over the course of, I'm sure, you know, even if we just stood back from this thing and said, let's just consider your career in political uh, cycles. You know, every four years we hear this, you know, conversation. Somebody says, well, the political landscape has changed. Um, this dynamic is different. When you talk about understanding the consumer over the course of, you know, that, their journey, how has that consumer journey changed in your career? What have you seen that's really been, I don't know, the, the most dynamic shift? Uh, I think for me, the most dynamic shift we already kind of hit on a little bit, it's about now we need to listen more than we ever have to consumers. And listening doesn't just mean listening with our ears. It means mm-hmm. listening with our eyes, listening mm-hmm. with our heart. Um, it's really mm-hmm. driving and, and finding empathy with consumers so that you can actually unlock um, what you need to unlock to actually improve their lives and, um, and with your products and your propositions or your opportunities you have for them. Um, and that's part of the journey. Um, you know, in years past, it was really more about um, creating products and then marketing and showing those products to the world and teaching them you know, that this is what you need and why you need it. That's not the journey anymore. The journey mm-hmm. is not about that. The journey is about working with them to get to innovation to help. That, you know what's amazing about that is it, it t- to me, that sounds like a dynamic shift in how, and this is going to sound maybe not the right way to put it, but your attitude and how you think about people, the way you just described that, you went from being a consumer to a person. In that, in that conversation, you, we've moved away from, hey, this person fits into this dem- demographic, and this moves back into, here's the behavior I notice in people. It humanizes them in, in, a, in a large way, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think empathy is the key. Human empathy okay. is what it's all about. And um, if we forget that, if we let ourselves be stuck to a demographic or we let ourselves be prejudged by a demographic, I think those are the businesses that won't survive tomorrow. Um, That's interesting. You have is to be you, thinking about people as people, you do. as humans. You've been. I mean, I know, I think this is, and I don't think I'm off base here, but I have the feeling that you've probably defied your demographic most of your life. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I so. this is I grew up not a Kansas just farm boy. Look where I am now. 
So, right. Well, I'm not right. a farm boy anymore. Not a farm boy anymore. And I love right. being a farm boy. Don't get me wrong there. I just, but I don't work on a farm anymore. It's uh, uh, knowing uh, knowing the geography that you live, that would be very expensive farmland at this point. In time. Yeah, at this point, uh, yeah. Growing yeah, in Kansas was not so much, but where I no. live now, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, those are acres you couldn't afford to uh, no. keep seed mm-hmm. in. This is... This is something, though, that I think is important, and, and this is, you know, Brody, we've been doing this now, this season uh, of Innovation Insiders, uh, probably uh, seven episodes in, I believe, and one of the themes that I've heard, the team has heard, is that you, those individual traits uh, uh, that make up an, an innovation uh, somebody who's driven by innovation, or as, as you said, everybody can innovate. But I'd say one of those people who makes a career out of it is they do tend to defy some of those assumptions. Uh, and and it sounds like in your pursuit of knowing people better, you've self-identified that not just amongst them is that they're not a demographic, they're an actual person. That's something you've always known about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, it's... It, it's really hard to innovate unless you understand people mm-hmm. and you understand um, what their needs are and their wants are. And there's a lot of classic examples of how great innovators can can listen with their eyes and listen with their heart, and then that's how they're able to then actually come forward and help unlock, you know, what is innovation for for uh, for people. So we're talking with <clears throat> Brody Dunn, uh, Brody. Works for Frito Lay. Uh, he's had a great career, and we we're talking about some of the uh, the paths that has brought him to some understanding around people. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those things he just alluded to about what makes innovation hard, uh, and then how to translate that over uh, not just for the consumer but for an internal team. You're listening to Innovation Insiders. Uh, we're speaking with Brody Dunn. We'll be right back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Grotto Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's b r a d o.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. Uh, you're speaking with uh, Brody Dunn today. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Ford. Once again, those emails, if you want to send me a message, uh, it's andy.ford at brado.net, or you can hit me up on A Ford on Twitter. Remember, Twitter, it's just not for the bathroom anymore. It's for other times as well, uh, which is a little bit of a joke. Uh, Brody, we were leaving and going to break, and we're talking about some of the hard things uh, that make innovation not not overly difficult, but you know, there's there's easier parts to it. I think empathizing with your person, the consumer, is is one of those things. It's a mandatory. Um, translating that empathy over for a team may be one of the harder things I've discovered. Uh, but when it comes to you, and when you think about innovation as a whole, are there some parts of it that are just a little harder than others? Sure, I think um, the most difficult thing for me innovation is that understanding innovation is actually in a lot of ways a sales an internal sales job mm. um, you know if and by that I mean in order to truly be an innovator you have to get an organization lined up around the impact and the change that has to occur and you have to sell your point of view and you have to or sell the point of view, the, the consumer's point of view, not even yours. I mean, you will own it. You will think it's yours because of the empathy that you have. But if you're not able to sell that passion and sell that point of view as to why you have to make that change or why you have to move that business, and the leadership you're talking to throughout your, your, you know, your organization, whether it's supply chain, procurement, R&D, marketing, finance, legal, it doesn't matter. If they aren't on board and if they don't connect with that story, mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to help alleviate the barriers to drive innovation because innovation, true innovation is hard. It, acts organi- it asks organizations to change, which mm-hmm. often bucks the system of how that organization got to where it is and why that organization makes the profit and the money it does that it delivers to its people. So, um, so that's, you know, I think that's the biggest pain for most young innovators is they don't understand their role and, and how mm. important it is and, and that it has, there is a sell story to it that you have to have. That's, you know, there's nothing, no one's put as fine a point on it in the interviews we've held here. But I think one of the realities that we've not addressed in this series that you just tapped on, and I'm going to recap it, is innovation is selling passion and the consumer's story. And that—that yes. that is, uh, and I absolutely resonate with that. And the number of times that I myself have sat with a corporate partner, uh, you know, whether that be large or small, and and we knew we were in front of the consumer. And to your point, we heard them, we watched them, we had the full sensory experience. We know that whatever we're trying to represent will solve 
some you know tension in their lives. Trying to get that to move through an organization is the hardest part. Why is it that people who work in innovation are so open to change, knowing that the rest of the world is so closed off to change? I, I don't know what, what attracts you, me, folks like that to this business. Well, I think curiosity okay. is number one. Curiosity about people. Curiosity about and, – and we see it, or I see it, a lot of times as a puzzle. Mm. Like, I know there's a problem. There's a challenge out here for people. So I love people, and I love problems. I love puzzles. And so I think bringing all of those things together is fun for me. It's, what's, mm. it's what I enjoy the most out of my job. There's nothing better than watching an innovative product like Lay's Popables come to market and know all the, all the stuff that, had to do, that we had to do to unlock that thing. I just mm. seeing it in market, seeing the bag, going watching consumers review it online, seeing that they're finding value out of it. That's how I'm, I'm happy. That's what makes mm. me happy. Like, and, you know, back in Pizza Hut days, doing the things like Twisted Crust. Right. I mean, watching that joy come to life from people, it's, it's amazing. And, or, you know, Cheesy Bites or one of those other products that I did all the years I was there. But it, that's what's amazing. And um, so, anyway, that would be my That's thought. fun. That's the fun part. It's, and I got to tell you, is that, you know, I'm going to, I love alliteration, so <laughs> I'm going to go back and say puzzle people and products. I mean, that's, you could, you could really lay an entire story out under that, you know, the, the, the insight that led us to, you know, let's use, I'll use Poppables, for example. And by the way, really quick plug on Poppables. I had nothing to do with that. I can, I'm just going to say that right off the bat. Uh, the minute I saw them in shelf in my grocery store, I, I think I actually took a photo and sent it to you. I think that's the first thing I did. Yeah. But then I bought every flavor because I had a, a room, I mean, a house full of teenagers at my house. And I brought them back and I walked around with a bag and I went, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? And two, I mean, of course, these are teenagers. You know, I think there's not a chip that they've ever not met they didn't like. They were over the top. They were like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, they were popping them. They were literally, you know, eating them and stuff. You know, I could see their, their mannerisms from eating one chip to this chip became a different behavior. That, that was cool to me. I don't know, just to watch that kind of interaction and see that. And that's for guys like you and me who kind of geek out on little food habits. I can imagine that you've seen quite a bit of the you know, a uh, different kind of mechanism driving that snack uh, as opposed to, you know, some of the other products that are out there. So kudos for you. That was really cool. No, uh, thank you, you. When you think about uh, the, the, the way that you're talking about change and the way we're talking about putting the puzzle together, um, is there one of those mechanisms that tends to lead in your head? And I'm going to back up. We talked about people. We talked about those internal needs. We've talked about some of those, you know, macro forces that are changing the environment. Do one of those lead, or is it kind of like your definition of innovation? Is that you could come at it in any direction? Uh, it's the it's the latter. You you have to come at it in in multiple directions. I think mm -hmm. it's about bringing those things and circling them around. They call it the fuzzy front end for a reason, <laughs> and that. And that's because uh, any one of those paths can um, can give you a good hook or a good um, thing to sink your teeth in to work on, to chew mm. on, and to work around. I mean, consumers are always first, but cons um, you know, people are always first. But people are in all of those elements in a lot of ways, 
So right. it's it's really to me it's it's a very circular. And it's when you bring those things together that and you circle with them and you you play with them like mold that you actually end up yielding great results. It's 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 interesting to me is that you know. It, there's not, you know, you talk about the fuzzy front end, and you and I both know, I mean, you've spoken at conferences, you've been working in corporate innovation for a very long time. There, people have a stage gate process, or, you know, this guy has an innovative system. Um, yeah. Do you think, from an organizational point of view, um, is an organization innovative, or are there people inside the organization that move the innovation needle forward? I think it's people and culture that create an innovative organization. You can take the most innovative organization in the world today, and you could probably name a couple. And we mm-hmm. can look up five or ten years from now, and if the people change, that culture can change. Mm. It's it's interesting, so, isn't it? it? When you think about when just what you said, fundamentally, the culture of a company in, in many ways either enables or limits that innovation opportunity, doesn't it? Exactly, and it starts at the very, very top, and it works its way from there. So your leaders have to be innovative thinkers. They have to be thinking beyond. They have to be thinking for the future, and they also have to empathize. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if they have empathy and they can look forward and they can envision a future, then you end up with everybody else below them being more innovative, more creative, more empathy you know, all of that comes together. It's you can't isolate the variables; they don't exist in isolation. Not not in an effective way. One of the things I thought you were when you were laying off some c words there. One of the pieces I thought you might speak about is courage. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, look at you know, I'll use you know some of your Pizza Hut examples that you talked about is you know fundamentally changing the crust um, and adding you know something in that that was unheard of at the time is a pretty big step change for an organization that's found a way, and I'm assuming this, to really minimize costs on that side of the business and try to drive value across the entire you know, company's uh, bottom line. So to introduce a brand new product and a brand new probably cooking method and technique, at some point that takes courage uh, for yeah. an innovator. Where do you get that, I don't know, the the metal or the reasons to say, yes, this is the right call, and I'm going to bring this into the organization. How do you, I don't know, where's that come from? Well, it comes from empathy. Mm. I mean, you're not going to have courage or conviction if you don't believe and you don't truly empathize with um, with the innovation and with the, solving the consumer's problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I could... Um, I could write a book, and I think one of my friends, a lot of my friends could write a book on multiple deaths of projects, like <laughs> things that have went to market, I could say, that were truly innovative. They probably lived and died many times inside the organization, and maybe three or four deaths because the organization it hit barriers, and you had to figure out how to unlock those barriers. And if you don't have the courage and the conviction and the fortitude to get through those, then, um, you know, uh, it all evaporates and it never gets to market. So you, you, you've got to, so I, I don't have experience like this, uh, like you do. And, and some of our guests, uh, do, I truly work on the, the fuzzy front end as you had a, apropos, uh, to mention, but once the idea is baked, 
that's a whole different kind of metal and courage to get it through those barriers. That's yeah. that's a that's a different set of skills, isn't it? Well, it's no, I, I don't think it is to me. Not that much different. And I will tell you, I think true. Yeah, here you go. Let me be careful about how I word this. There are two types of innovation. There's the fuzzy front-end innovation and creating the ideas and empathizing with the consumers. The biggest opportunity is when you don't translate that learning all the way through your pipeline, all the way down through if you have a stage gate process or whatever. If you don't hold what is true and needed about that idea that it's going to actually change the marketplace, if that doesn't stay intact as you move, then you're not an innovative company. Mm-hmm. And you're not making innovative decisions. And as more innovation, in a lot of ways, happens downstream after the idea is baked, because mm-hmm. now I got a, I got I got supply chain issues, I got operations mm-hmm. issues, I got mm-hmm. all financial problems, I got all kinds of things I got to work through. And you That's have to think about part. it innovatively in those in those ways just as much as creating the idea. We're talking with Brody Dunn, uh, who is really helping us navigate some of those spaces for those of you who are who are in the innovation uh, world and start thinking about that from idea to get it through the pipeline. Uh, in his estimation, and I love this, it takes the same innovative individual to identify that idea as it does to say, yes, we can also help solve some of those more cost-driven uh, issues that we you know, often think about in sometimes different, different scenarios, but they're not. You're listening to Innovation Insiders with our guest Brody Dunn and stick around we'll be right back with Brody right after these messages become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America the Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O dot net. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit 
brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders at Brado Creative Insight. Um, talking with Brody Dunn. Uh, and uh, Brody is a director of strategic insights, PepsiCo with Frito-Lay. He's been in that role for uh, five years or more. Uh, but prior to that, uh, Brody, you spent a, a long time um, at a major uh, pizza company, Pizza Hut, uh, where we did work. And you also worked with NeuroFocus, which was an interesting company. I think actually Nielsen purchased NeuroFocus. I wasn't sure if that was during your time or not. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, they did. And where you guys were actually mapping people's, you know, minds while they were being, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, exposed to different stimuli. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we were using EEG technology to help okay. understand the attention, emotion, and memory centers of the human brain as they were exposed to different things. And it's based in medical science, mm-hmm. and it was taking that application because. Um, the founder of the company at the time had um, the insider, the unlock, that the same things that medical science was measuring was actually relevant and important to businesses. So that was the premise of, of it. I think at the end of the day, it's all about system one research, about understanding right. what's that gut feeling. Like, you know, why do I buy, um, you know, a Jaguar over buying a really nice Kia? I mean... <laughs> There is an emotional decision that's being made here that isn't maybe not as um, you know logical, but certainly very important to people, and that's what's why that you know that brand is there today. That's interesting. It's I I do remember uh, getting a chance to be exposed to some of that uh, research, and I find it fascinating today that as an innovator in a research company that I am. Um, we don't use more biometrics. It seems like if we're talking about next level or the next generation of information is that, you know, to your point, system one, asking people what they want and then them telling you versus seeing a visceral reaction to pupil dilation or heart rate or those finding a way to put those two things together. It just seemed to me like that ought to be, that ought to be more pervasive than it is. Should it, I mean, do you, do you disagree or do you think it, it is still, you know, the human element needs to be, you know, first and foremost? Boy, uh, that's a loaded question. I, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, at the end of the day, where I netted out after after doing this is that you need a balanced research approach to answering okay. your questions. And the more you can bring both system one and system two, and system two is, if everybody doesn't know, it's um, it's a it's a term that's being used out there for um, when I have more time to think about a decision that I make when I'm more thoughtful. System one is more kind of the gut reaction. And so I think the more that you bring those things together um, in a cohesive way around your brand is important. And some brands are more important than others. Like, you know, um, in a lot of ways, Andy, you may find that you're going to lean into system two when you're making bigger decisions a lot Mm -hmm. of times, maybe around healthcare, something along Mm -hmm. those lines. Although system one certainly is important because you want to feel good about your doctor. But... um, System two also has a huge impact. And then other other categories might be less relevant uh, from a system two standpoint. It might be more of a gut reaction. Why do we think we have things we call, you know, spontaneous purchasing of products in some of the retail environments? Like, um, or if I just add on a dessert, uh, you know, at a restaurant. Sometimes that's not always about system two. Sometimes it's about I want a treat or a reward. You know, I'm, I, I'm, so it's, Balancing those things is critical, 
And I think yeah. using only one tool to answer a question that's either System 1 or System 2 in isolation is leads you down a potential path of, of the wrong way. That's a great point. Uh, that's a great point. We actually, while while you're talking, I, I got an email uh, question about this. Is that you know, in a world where people are everything, does the approach matter uh, to gain empathy? And i.e., their their question is, are face to face discussions with a consumer or ethnography or anthropological observations as meaningful and important as say online communities or you know? Let's say surveys. Yes, I I think they're all equal. (laughs) You know, the the great thing about today's technology is your cell phone, in a lot of ways, is truth serum. Uh You can name how many people have gotten in trouble for tweeting something that they probably shouldn't have tweeted because they think they're talking to themselves when they talk to their cell phone. (laughs) And so, in a lot of ways, I know I call it that. I call it now. Now, new generations. That was more millennial focus. Like my daughter, who is the next generation coming, which you know we have haven't quite settled on the name for that one, but Gen Z will use for now as a proxy. Mm-hmm. She's a little more socially savvy about the phone than my nieces and nephews were, who are millennials or a little older. Yeah, you know they've gotten in trouble for causing um, putting tweets out there that caused the family to go into a tizzy. <laughs> you know, whereas my daughter has never done that, even though she's had access to a phone for a while. So I think, um, you know, we as humans adapt and adjust. Um, and so to answer your question, yes, all of that is incredibly relevant. There's some anonymity that happens, you know, not some ability to be anonymous online as well. And, and there's when there's times when you should lean into that and there's times you shouldn't, uh, when you're doing your research, you just have to be very thoughtful about it. That's interesting. You know, we're having uh, on that front, and, and I kind of want to. I could I have three other questions I want to talk about from AI, but before I do that, you said something that I think is important to note, and you talked about the millennial uh, perspective uh, versus you know Gen Z. But uh, you've got a definitive point of view when it comes to the generations and sort of how they are. Maybe it's not how they eat, but it's at least how they consider or think about flavor. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. And I'm specifically going to ask you the question of, and, and I've mentioned this over the break, is that I give you total credit for a quote that I don't even think you want me to give you credit for. And what is that quote first? So uh, I guess the quote is, and, and I've, I've had this as because I part of my purview is I help develop a flavor strategy for you know my in my current role for our portfolio, and. Part of that quote to get down that path is um, when you think about flavors, and I use ketchup as an analogy for boomers. You know, ketchup was, and Heinz was big, and ketchup was the flavor of boomers. And if you think about it, they were putting ketchup on everything. They couldn't get enough ketchup because ketchup to them was food repair. (laughs) It was a way to fix some food that wasn't cooked so great. You just pour a bunch of ketchup on it, it all of a sudden tasted amazing. I could get through it. The same thing happened with, with my generation of Gen X, which followed boomers, but it wasn't ketchup anymore because Gen X, we're pushing, we're pushing away from the boomers a little bit. Every generation wants to be different from the generation before. We discovered this amazing thing, which you find in all Mexican restaurants, and it's called salsa. Gen X dumped salsa on everything to as food repair when they were. And by the way, we all uncovered these flavors when we went off to college because none of us know how to cook in college. That's right. So, um, or a lot of us don't know how to cook in college. And so right. we use, you know, we use salsa as Gen X to as food repair. 
And then millennials came along. Now millennials were not that they're not as interested in salsa because that was that was the group before us. Um, and we're trying to push away to prove that we're different. And this wonderful thing came along from Asia, and we call it sriracha. And I can remember, set, and by the way, I've sat in groups with consumers on all of these fronts. I sat in basically a dorm in Chicago in the middle of January and watched room after room have bottles of sriracha. And they would be pissed off if they went to a friend's room to eat a meal and that friend didn't have sriracha. Yeah. Because they knew that friend couldn't cook and sriracha was the way to fix the problem. So it's, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because last night at dinner in a meal that did not need salsa, I pulled out a jar of salsa. There it was, you you're absolutely right. I mean, that's gin. I mean, I'm an ex, so I just put myself right there in the same uh, place with you. Yeah. Is, it's funny, though, isn't it, is that you can't stand back from that strategy alone and have a complete picture of people. But it's a meaningful right. nugget to start with is that, yeah. you know, this is how I'm repairing my meal. It's comprehensive and it works across anything. And it, and it really, t- and this is the thing I'm going to lay on and you can tell me I'm wrong. But to me, that points to sort of a global nature of these generations. You know, the younger generations yeah. tend to have a bigger, broader perspective, don't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and we've been getting more and more global. If you just lay that out, you know, ketchup is very American. Salsa invaded from south of the border. Mm-hmm. Sriracha were coming from the Pacific Ocean. The real, the real question is, what's next? What's Gen right. Z going to be using as food repair when they head off to college? It, it probably won't be sriracha because no. they want to be seen as different and distinct. And you're going to see whatever that is, it's going to flip out. And and here in about you know four years, I'll probably be on some you know uh, mining some data, looking either with people, <laughs> and I'm what we're going to start seeing what that is. And you know yeah. the fight is on for the CPG companies to find the next unlock. That's that's so great. That's so you know what to be able to stand back from this like you have in your career and realize that there's an ebb and a flow, and the change occurs across those landscapes. Um, but you've got to keep your eyes peeled for that information, don't you? I mean, you've really got to pay attention in order to find it, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. You find it in the places you're not expecting to find it. A lot of times you'll uncover the insights, and it's not the insight you think you're looking for. So you have to be a little careful in not going with too many. You have to build a hypothesis before you go into your work stream, but you have to be open to what's actually being being communicated to you. It's funny to me that you mentioned that, you know, being open, uh, because that's something that I think companies don't make a lot of money not being closed down and locking down a process. So you need those people like yourself inside of those major companies who are who are open who are willing to break something in order to change and make it different. Um, do you find that when you're out in market and you're sitting in those dorm rooms with you know, consumers, do you have sort of a like-minded moment with them where, where you will recognize you're breaking tradition and it's like, aha, maybe that's one of those hypotheses I, I can now begin yeah. to depend on? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you, the funny thing is a lot of times consumers fully know they're breaking tradition and they embrace it and they love it. And that's what makes them distinct and unique. And, and, um, and in today's social world, that tradition gets broke at a lightning speed. Like yeah. one person shares one thing that's really cool. And then there are 10 people get it. And then a hundred people get it. And then a thousand people get it. And then a million people have it, you know, and it's a blink of an eye. 
That's uh, yeah. that goes back to that uh, that cell phone uh, that we talked about is is truth serum, but it can also be a huge I don't know instigator, fire starter for so many things. Yeah. Um, we are going to go to break. One last break here. We're coming back and talking with uh, Brody Dunn. And when we get back, Brody, we're going to ask you uh, a couple of rapid fire questions. It's our innovators' confession. So stick around with uh, Brody Dunn. We'll be right back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O dot Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's b r a d o.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. I am speaking with Brody Dunn. Um, Brody is a uh, director of strategic insights at PepsiCo, uh, specifically Frito Lay. Uh, has has had a real good uh, uh, conversation with us today. That a lot, a lot to digest. Uh, but Brody, I don't want to shortchange this section because we've got this thing we call the Innovators Confession, and there's some rapid fire, rapid fire ish questions that we ask, and we want to get your perspective. So uh, the first question is surprise me. Tell me about the innovation that might catch all of us off guard in the next five years. So this is probably going to a personal passion, Andy, and something you don't know because you haven't seen me for a few months, but I've actually lost 40 pounds over Thanksgiving. Congrats. And I've made a commitment to health and wellness. And I think in that, on that journey, I've been learning a ton. Um, and again, empathy, I guess, is probably part of that in, mm-hmm. a, in a huge, huge way. But I think whatever it's going to be, it's going to be about health and wellness. Mm. Um, 
as you think about all the things we're doing from a, from a technology standpoint to the food we eat to the air we breathe to the environments we're in, whatever it is, it's going to be around health and wellness, and we're going to get blown away by more than one thing. Like I think the next five to ten years, the whole dimension of what health and wellness means it's not just about less of this or less of that. It's more of holistic thinking. I think that's going to kick our butt in a big way and in a good way. That's interesting is that um, it's, it's funny to me, too, when you start talking about some of those – when you talk about health and wellness, it's not one piece. It's going to be multiple tendrils that are coming together that are going to have a bigger impact. Uh, but keeping our eye out for that holistic approach, I think that's something that's that's on that I'm I'm hearing right now about in a lot of emerging pockets. And, and I don't think you're wrong. Um, oh, three things. One more question is: What are top three words to describe an innovative individual? I think curious, mm-hmm. fun, and risk embracing are all use courageous. You know, on top of that. It's a uh, fun. Fun is a word I have not heard yet. Unpack that a little for me. Talk to me about what that fun does. Fun, it keeps you passionate. And it keeps you going through all the hurdles. I mean, if you don't, if you're not having fun, I don't know why in the world you're in that occupation. <laughs> All right. Well, it's just you know, nobody becomes an innovator uh, for the tediousness of no. it. Do they? they have to look forward to. Yeah. You know, it's like you said. I mean, it's it's the puzzle. You love. You got to love to solve it, and that's that's part of your fun. It's got to be. That is absolutely it. And watching it go to market, I celebrate every day. You know, things that are a market. I'm still proud today of of, you know, the stuff I've done here and at Pizza Hut. And, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, the new Doritos Blaze flavor or whether it's Lay's Poppables or whether it's our do us a flavor promotion we did right. um, with Lay's, which was groundbreaking. I mean, all the way back to the stuff I did at Pizza Hut with all those crazy pizzas that you can name off in the 90s and 2000s. I yeah. just, you know, that... It, it still makes me proud today. I'm still known for that. My family still tells friends the stuff I do. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm laughing because when you you have kids, I have kids. Um, when my children try to describe what my job is to their peers, the the easiest way for them to do it is he helps people make up products. And you know that's I mean that's like the thing that I'm most proud of. I've been a part tangentially of some of those new product launches and I'm the same way. When I see it out there I go, "Oh man, that that's cool." I remember yep. I remember the inception, you know, of that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so other than your company that you work for today, who do you think is the most innovative in the world? I'm going to surprise you with this answer. I think Andy. I'm going to say okay. Dodge. Wow, you're right. Dodge cars. Tell me. Uh, so, um, what amazes me is I I love a muscle car. So years ago, I you know I got a Dodge Challenger, and and I made the sacrifices to get the nice Challenger, the SRT, and I loved that car. I loved that car. And then they came out with the Hellcat. And this is not a functional decision <laughs> yeah. on my part. Yeah. But but I made more sacrifices, and I found ways that – and it took me a while to get yeah. a Hellcat, like two years after they launched them. But I got one. Oh, my word. And <laughs> then they launched this damn thing called a Demon. And if you watch <laughs> how they launched that thing, 
I, I'm not going to buy it, but I want it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not touching it, but because I'll, I'll probably not survive it. But it's, it's amazing that they made me convince me they want to own street strip muscle cars. Yeah, and by damn, they're doing it. They're owning they are. it. You know, That's... and they kicked the crap out of Chevy and Ford. Yeah, just emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, look at the names yeah. alone. I mean, the names yeah. alone. Are you kidding me? You went. What was the first one? The first car I've lost the name. Was it the the Charger? The sorry. Challenger. Challenger. Yeah. Sorry, the Challenger. And then they went. That doesn't have enough testosterone on it. Nope. Let's go the Hellcat. And then yep. I can only imagine the meeting sitting in for that. The guys were going to be the demon. What's I mean, yeah. the what's next? You know, uh, yeah. you know Dante's Inferno. You're getting yeah. super. They're taking uh, what know they what do the, already do well. That's and right. Finding new niches and new ways you to separate, up. and even oh, yeah. better. I mean, they had the baddest car on the road for the price, yeah. and now they've even and they won up that. Like they double down. It's uh, it's crazy. But they know I, who, I they know who they're going to innovative, and it's leaning yeah. on strengths that they've established, and they've busted the market. Oh, I love that. I love it. Now, here's if you could pick one person that you would be named the master of innovation, and this could be anybody, who would it be? Yeah. Um, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Never heard, I have not heard that either. Yeah, what he did to the movie industry and how he's changed the way stories are told mm-hmm. is phenomenal. I, I cringe and adore every movie he's made. <laughs> That's a great line. That's a great line. I bet that would actually make him, I don't know him at all, I imagine that would make him happy. You cringe and adore. There's that duality, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and, and I've laughed, by the way. I've never laughed so hard than, you know, parts of Pulp Fiction, and I cringe oh, yeah. at the same, same time. Same, same time. And gotta, I gotta cringe laughing. You is, that movie too, a, you know? I never knew that existed until he did Pulp Fiction. <laughs> You, I, by the way, I am a firm believer that you will find out if how much you get along with people when you introduce them to a movie like Pulp Fiction. If you say yeah. that and they're like, oh, you know, that scene with X, or they're like, mm, I'm not so sure that, you know, you and I can be friends, it's polarizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it's a, it's a, you're, mm-hmm. you're dead on. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, let's face it. Um, innovators are like classic shit disturbers. We, we, you know, we challenge, we see, we watch those moments. Is there from your career a favorite shit disturber moment? It, maybe you didn't do it, but you were sitting there and you knew from that moment forward things were going to be different in that situation. You know, I'm going to go back to neuromarketing. I think that was the biggest, like just from an insights, glean insights, try to understand humans. Mm-hmm. That I think was one of the early, because we're talking 2007, you know, this train started. Mm-hmm. on trying to understand system one in a different way and using what is what were medical practices and technologies, whether it's implicit association t- testing or response latency testing or EEG or fMRI. I think that was a huge disruption to the industry that's still, that, that's still there today. I mean, people are still leveraging system one and they're trying to find new and unique and creative ways to do it to get at what is that, what's at the core, what's at the emotional core of some of these decisions that are made. I think that from a, from a human understanding and empathy standpoint is to me the biggest thing. 
Brody, I want to thank you for being a part of the program today. Uh, it's been a delight uh, for me uh, and I know for our guests as well. Uh, you're listening or have been listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. <clears throat> our guest today uh, is Brody Dunn. Uh, Brody is obviously uh, incredibly uh, knowledgeable about the industry and his category. Uh, and we look forward, Brody, to seeing your uh, creations hit the shelf soon. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Well, thank you for the time. It was a blast. Good, good. Hey, join us next week. We've got another great guest uh, signed up. Uh, until then, you've been listening to Innovation Insiders. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Goodbye. Thank you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Grotto Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, innovate.